Welcome one and all to episode 182 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are out of what was... Uh, disappointing might be a strong word. Uh, surprising. Combine. And now it is... Well, we're a week away from the NFL free agency when... You know, we've we've mentioned this. This will be when things kind of really start to heat up and we're able to figure, um, you know, things out a little more for each each team. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk combine winners, losers, um, discuss that. And they call it stock up, stop, stock down. Yeah. So we don't so use it. We don't call anybody a loser. Right. We're trying to be <laughs> nice around here. And we're softening up. Yeah, we're old now, man. It's too it's too hard to be mean. Um but as always start with some news. Um and this will be in the hot takes segment as well from a good buddy of ours who we love to talk to. But um coming out of the combine, we talked about the Jalen Carter situation last week. And this comes from the athletic NFL. So at the athletic NFL on the Twitters uh, and Sando NFL, according to the GMs and execs who spoke to Sando NFL, Jalen Carter will not be among the top 10 picks in the NFL draft. And I don't think that's a surprise. Do you coming out of this just with the uncertainty right now? I think I think right now, because it's so, um, there's so much unknown about what's going on that it makes sense that that's kind of the takeaway right now. Yeah, we talked about Jalen Carter on on Patreon last week uh, after that news broke, and my take was at the time that I thought that he would drop, but not out of the top fifteen. So if um, they're saying he's now. He won't be picked in the top 10. That still leaves room for my prediction to be correct. Um, and, and it means some team that's, uh, you know, that wasn't picking at the top is going to get what most, what many people, I don't think we, we, th- we agreed with this, but what many people said going in was the best player in the class. And I guess we'll circle back to that concept at the, uh, toward the end of the show, right? Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because in that piece, so this is all uh, uh, subscription-based from The Athletic, so we're not going to go too far into it because we don't want to get flagged. Um, But Sando goes on to say in his mock draft, and I won't say who he mocks to Arizona, but if Will Anderson is there, Arizona takes him, and it's a slam dunk. If Anderson is not there, Arizona would want to move out. And then he goes on to say Carter's, uh, Georgia's Carter would be the obvious choice from a talent standpoint, but most execs thought selecting him this early would be problematic with two misdemeanor charges pending against him. And then an exec went on to say from another team picking in the top 10 called it impossible for the Cardinals to draft him in GM Monty Austin's, Austin Fort's inaugural class. Impossible is a really strong word here 
But I think that's where we're at in how unknown this whole thing is. Like a guy that comes from the New England tree that was kind of in, you know, Vrabel's a New England guy, obviously. They're pretty risk adverse, right? Like they they have the high character standards and things like that. So they'll, they'll risk character issues for cheaper prices. I mean, that's always been their MO. They'll take a chance on a character guy. They'll take a flyer on a guy who's worn out as welcome with another franchise, but it's going to be later. It's not, not going to be in the top three of the yeah. draft. And I think that's where it comes down to, right? Yeah. Like the fact that it's third over. Although New just, England was never picking in the top three. Well, and I think that's the other thing when we, you know, Cardinals fans, and I'd love to get your opinion on this. I mean, I know we've talked about this a little bit with the Tennessee New England thing and them at the time before all the Carter news came out, taking Carter over Anderson with how that, you know, Tennessee and New England haven't valued high, high end edge players, but we've also never seen new England or Tennessee draft this high to where, you know, cause Cardinals fans are like, Oh, they're going to trade the pick. They're absolutely going to trade the pick. And I'm like, I agree. They would probably like to trade the pick, especially with the Carter news, but Austin Fort, when he was with new England and Tennessee never had a top five pick. So like, he's never been able to look at a talent like a Will Anderson if he's there and, you know, if quarterbacks go one and two, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess we'll get more into this over the next few weeks, but if quarterbacks go one and two, what, you know, depending on which ones go one and two, then there's a, that really opens the door wide for Arizona to trade back for a team to move up for another quarterback. So um, I, I think, we just saw Geno Smith resigned for good chunk of change, over a hundred million dollars. But, but only think- three seasons, which I think, I mean, that news to me almost screams that they're in the quarterback market. It, it's possible. It doesn't close the door on it, right? But it it's might take like them was- out of the quarterback top five market. That's true. But it um, like, like, but if you still got Indy there at four. We're presuming that Indy's probably going to be one of these teams that trades up. You get. You know, Indy Houston, let's say they go one, two, taking quarterbacks. You still got other teams. Oh, uh, I say Oakland, Las Vegas. Las Vegas and Carolina. Carolina, right. And uh, they might want to get in front of Detroit because we know that Jared Goff, that, that Detroit has an out of that contract after this upcoming year. So um, there's still incentive. There's still opportunity for teams to, for Arizona to move that pick and, and pick up. Um, some extra picks, maybe 2024, 2025 first round picks. We saw Ryan Poles talking about that as far as, uh, you know, Bears seem dead set on trading the number one pick. So we could see a lot of movement at quarterbacks, especially after the way things played out at the combine. Yeah, let's get into the combine and we can start, you know, real quick at the quarterback position. Um, and you know, you talk about stock up from an athletic standpoint, and I think we knew Anthony Richardson was going to be athletic. I don't think anybody expected him to be this athletic, right? Well, he he walked in and he 
basically set the standard for quarterbacks for all time, uh, at least since they really started tracking these things going back to 2000. And it, you'd be hard-pressed to find examples prior to 2000 that, that were more athletic than what he did. He broke the record, I think, 40 and a half inches for a vertical jump for quarterback. He had a 10-foot, 9-inch broad jump. I think that was also a record. And then he ran a 4.43 at 244 pounds. He's, he's huge. Um, we saw a lot of that. You know, when the throwing workout took place, we saw some of the accuracy issues that people talk about, but people love his arm strength and everybody thinks that his accuracy issues are mechanical and fixable. And certainly if you have such a dynamic athletic talent, either you're going to be correct about that or you're going to, you know, talk yourself into it. Um, Somebody said, and I, I, you know, obviously, as an Arizona Cardinals fan, it's not ideal if if Anthony Richardson turns out to be really good. Uh, but somebody said that Geno contract would actually perfectly benefit Seattle taking him at five, and because now you've got basically two years of Geno where you don't have to worry about Richardson. But if for some reason he uh, matures and gets ready quicker. You also have an out because it's like 52 million of Gino's 105 is this year uh, in year 2023. So I, I can see where that person's coming from in that ideal, right? Like it wouldn't, it could make a lot of sense for Seattle to take a flyer on him and then knowing that you have two years, at least two years of Gino, where you don't have to stress about his development. I suppose, but you know, Pete, Pete Carroll is going to be 72 years old. So yeah. um, do, you, do you try and give him some help now to help this team win, get into the playoffs, maybe get out, catch fire? Um or do you go for your quarterback of the future and that kind of leaves your coach in a little bit of limbo because by the time, I mean, you know, what's Pete's going to be 73, 74 years old by the time you're ready to start Richardson. I don't know if you're going to be able, if you're uh, John Schneider, I don't know if you're, you're going to be able to make a great sales pitch to Pete Carroll in that situation. So it just depends, I guess, to me, it kind of depends what's on Pete Carroll's mind. Is he comfortable? You know, be riding out the rest of his career maybe as a placeholder for the next guy. And, you know, he's he's quite a bit older than the GM. Um, or are, are they? They've always kind of been in. To me, it seems like they've always kind of been in lockstep with what they want from the players they draft. So it just seemed like an unusual thing to to track to go with a quarterback that you think is a year away or a year or two away in this situation. A couple other quarterbacks kind of set everybody a buzz. Obviously, Richardson kind of set the standard. But let's talk about a couple other guys. The first guy that kind of stood out after after Richardson, to me, was Clayton Toon of Houston. Um, you know, we've talked about Toon and, you know, his, his work and, and all of that. But 
He came in six two and a half, two hundred twenty pounds. He ran a four six four forty, which in today's NFL seems really slow, but it's actually still really good. It's really good for a quarterback still. Um, but he had a thirty seven and a half inch vertical and a ten two broad jump with a six eight nine three cone. Um, were you surprised by how athletic he was? Um, a little bit, but not too much because he he uh showed off some dynamic running ability this year, uh, uh, at least dynamic in relation to uh, the conference he played in. He had a game where he threw for 300 yards and rushed for over 100. He, I think he threw three touchdowns and rushed for, or rushed for three in that game as well. Um, I know that was one of the, game, the players I wrote up that week in uh, the box score scouting article that we put on Patreon every Monday during the college football season. So. I wasn't wasn't super surprised, but now you look at Tune and just career wise, statistically, production, athleticism, and uh, even size, he checks a lot of the boxes. So I think this is a player that he's going to go. Is he going to go late day two at this rate? You think? I think so. Yeah, I think he's probably going to go in the third round. Um, I think he deserves be, it too. I think teams are are going to view him as a. a long-term backup, potential stop, spot starter, a guy who um, we see it every year. Quarterbacks get hurt. Player needs to step in. So, uh, yeah, Tune, one of the things, he's uh, about to turn 24. So that's one of the reasons he's, he's not a premium prospect. He's a guy who's coming out of Group of Five Conference. But still uh, – like I said, he checks a lot of the boxes from a metrics standpoint. The thing I would say is his throwing workout I don't think was was great, especially no. when, when they went to throw some of the downfield passes. We saw some of his passes. Um, the placement wasn't wasn't great, and he underthrew some guys. But um, you're, we're talking about measuring him against some of the top quarterbacks in the class that made it look really – yeah, like Stroud was was dropping dimes, and um, you know Levis threw pretty well as as well, and so did uh, Richardson on some of his deep balls. So, and I think Stetson Bennett was throwing pretty well on on was it Saturday that they worked out? So yeah, a lot of the other quarterbacks I thought had better throwing workouts, but Tune from a just physical standpoint, he checks a lot of the boxes. And just so people can kind of grasp, because I, I know we, three cones not something we talk about a lot, but just so people can grasp where he ranked in that, he was tied for uh, eighth overall out of every prospect. Um, like he ran a faster three cone than Evan Hull, the Northwestern running back, who had a great combine, Marvin Mims, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Um, Who every, also had a really good combine. Yeah, here. every edge prospect, even the, the ones that tested, not every one of a them. Lot, a lot of people skip these shuttles because yeah. they come at the end of the workout now. Yeah, but even like, I mean, he, he tested, he out-tested like a Lucas Van Ness who had a great combine. And so, like, I, I don't think people realize how good of a time that is. Um when you look at the rest of it, I mean, Will Levis jumped. He had really good jumps. That We weren't surprised by that at all. No, um, he didn't run because he's had a 
a foot injury he was still working back from, but it didn't affect his uh, leaping ability. 34-inch vertical, 10-foot, 4-broad, which is well above average for a quarterback. Um, Thing you just want to see is that his consistency with him, but uh, he came out, he knows he's going to be an early pick. He came out and threw anyway, and he, um, I think I'll circle back to that point later, but like I said, Stroud was, was throwing really well. Levis was out there showing off his arm. Um, and, and Richardson too. Max Duggan ran a four, five, two, which is obviously great. Were you surprised at how, I don't want to say bad because they weren't bad, but like how his explosive numbers weren't nearly as good. Um, so his, his vertical was right in the average range for a quarterback. And then the, the broad jumps actually slightly above average from what a quarterback jumps. He was nine feet. I think it's just because this class was so athletic. Compared yeah. To right. I mean, he jumped, let me see nine feet, eight inches, nine, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his shuttle times were below average for quarterback down. And sometimes yeah, just, that gets it, you into trouble when you're in the pocket, you know, right. you see a little pocket maneuverability. Those guys tend to have the better shuttle times. But it's it's a, it's not a given because a lot of guys don't ever run these things, so you're just kind of guesstimating, anyways. Uh, anybody else stand out that we need to discuss? I mean, Stetson Bennett came in small, five eleven, one ninety two, um, yeah. And somebody said he didn't run hard, so nobody would ask him to work out at slot receiver. I thought that was funny. <laughs> and he still ran four six seven. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he kind of cruised to it. Um, I'll, I like to mention this: none of the quarterbacks had small hands. They were all at least uh, of the quarterbacks that that came in and measured. They were all at least nine and three eighths inches, so above the threshold. Um, so we didn't get to make fun of anybody's hand size. And I'll say Dorian Thompson Robinson. We love to make fun of the speed gun test, but DTR threw sixty two miles an hour, so he has some zip in that arm. He also had a very good workout uh, with four five six forty. And a ten foot one broad, and he came in over two hundred pounds because he was about one ninety one ninety and change when he was at the Shrine Bowl. So he came in above two hundred and actually ran, unlike some people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the running backs. First off, I mean we have to mention that we had four or three guys go sub four four. Um, not a shock to see Devin A. Chain lead the way, right? No, he was the odds-on favorite for fastest 40 in the combine. He didn't have the fastest 40 in the entire combine, combine, but he did have the fastest 40 of any of the offensive players. So 4-3-2. Were you surprised how short his vertical was? No, because, you you know, he didn't – I don't think he did the broad jump, but no, A-Chain's a short – He only did the vertical – after the 40, he only did the vertical. Yeah, so – I'm not always surprised because we've seen this before from really fast guys. They they don't always have the explosive vertical, but my guess is he would have had a pretty good broad jump. It's he's really got interesting. That, he's track trained, you know, and they're is. not, there's not, the, the, a lot of the guys that have fast 40s and good verticals, they're not track trained athletes. They're more like, you know, they might have played basketball. They're two sport athletes, that kind of thing. But A-Chain was a track guy and he ran like a track guy. Uh, Jameer Gibbs went four three six, a little bit faster than what we expected. 
We went from right. Alvin Kamara comps to uh, Jamal Charles comps by the end of the week. That's who Daniel Jeremiah was comparing him to. And, and I, I think, think that's probably a better one, wouldn't you? I mean, it's still really Size-wise, he's two inches shorter. We're, we're going to do comps later this week on Patreon, um, so you can subscribe to that for the $2 tier. You'll get a, a good dose of comps this week because um, we like to do it using like the mock draftable and the combine finder on stat stat head and, and try and get precise. It's not been easy the last couple of years because players are coming in small and, it, it, you know, different shapes and sizes than what we've seen over the past 20 some years. Um, Gibbs, I think that is, I think Jamal Charles is a better comp than Kamara because he's much smaller than Kamara. Um, but Jamal Charles, you're talking about a guy who might be a Hall of Famer, so careful with that comp. Right. And that's a, you know, super, super high end. Right. Uh, Keaton Mitchell was the other one, 437. We expected him to be a sub 44 guy mm-hmm. or right around there. I mean, he's just electric. He's, he's like you kind of mentioned. These smaller guys, these sub one, one ninety guys in A chain and, and Mitchell were just freaks in terms of of their forty time. Right, and and you know it's none of these guys are going to be lead backs. You, maybe twenty years ago, you would have seen a team drafted Jameer Gibbs in A chain and and give him twenty carries a game. The last guy that got that kind of run at. Uh, but Keaton Mitchell's size was like work done. You know, Mitchell comes in under 180. Only he and uh, Deuce Vaughn among the running backs came in under 180. But Deuce Vaughn's three inches shorter and came in the same size. So he's more compact. Um, I still don't think you're going to get, you're going to uh, give either of those guys like lead back duties. Mitchell, though, like you said, we were pretty confident he was going to run a sub four four. Some people even maybe thought maybe a sub four three four three seven. A really good time. He's fast. We can go through all of these guys. We had a lot of guys that stood out. We'll mention a couple just so you know we we give them some love. Uh, I I was impressed with Roshan Johnson coming in at four five eight at his size. He's you know he came in a little smaller than we expected at at two nineteen, but you know. I've never been a guy that thought he was a, a this elite athlete back like some people did. Mm-hmm. Um, he comps to uh, people were comparing him to Brian Robinson, and the way the way people have talked about Roshan Johnson, you would have thought they would have a loftier comparison because Brian Robinson had a decent rookie year. I mean, certainly the the big story for him was recovering from getting shot in the leg, but ultimately he averaged. 3.9 yards a carry. So, and I mean, to me, that's what Roshan Johnson looks like. That That's the kind of back he looks like as a pro to me. Evan Hull, we mentioned a little earlier. He ran a 4.47. Hull was such a try hard. He took, he took every rep that uh, they did in the position workouts and he ran to the end zone every single time. I think Rich Eisen was, was rolling his eyes at, at Hull, but Hull had a, an awesome workout. And um, did you have the numbers on him? Yeah, he came in at 5'10", 209, 4'47", 37-inch vert, 10'3", uh, broad. And then he put up uh, 21 on the on the bench press. So. He's the only only one of two running backs to even attempt the shuttles, and he had a 6'9", 3 cone, which is a good one, above average for a running back. 
Not as good as Clayton Toon, though. No. <laughs> but the guy... By one one-hundredth of a second, though, right? Yeah, no, I know. That's why it's funny. Uh, the guy... I We'll mention real quick Chase Brown of, of Illinois, too, because he and his, his brother kind of... His twin had, brother. Had great combines. Yeah. Uh, Brown came in at 5'9.5", 209. 4.43, he had a 40-inch vertical and a 10.7 broad. Yep. So, but the guy that kind of blew everybody away with his testing um, was Tulsa Daenerick Prince. Yeah. Um, Prince came in at six foot two sixteen. He ran a 4.41.40, and then he backed it up with a 35-and-a-half-inch vert and a 10.4 broad. Um, yeah, you know, good, good athletic testing. He's the big back with the best time. Uh, you know, of all the backs that that were above average running back weight, he had the best time. We we also saw, you know, Bijan Robinson, of course, was above average at, at two hundred fifteen pounds, but ran a four four six. Um, and the other uh, sub four five times all came from smaller guys. So Daenerys Prince. Kind of stands out because of his four four one at two hundred sixteen pounds, and I, you know, he's a Texas A and M transfer. He's a guy I wrote about a couple times during the season. He's a real powerful north south runner with good balance. The speed and burst that he showed in these tests show up on tape. He finishes strong on contact. The thing that that you worry about with Prince is the durability. Uh, he missed three games at the end of last year. Four games this year. It's a little bit hazy why he missed the games this year, but to the best of my knowledge, it was an undisclosed injury. So this is a player who's been banged up throughout his college career, and so he never put up big numbers. But that kind of reminds me of Chris Carson coming out of college. And and Prince is about the same size, kind of has a similar style, but a little a little faster. I think Carson ran in the four fives. We have to mention what a ho-hum day it was at the office for Bijan Robinson, right? <laughs> yeah. I think he checked checked all the boxes, but people were comparing him to Saquon Barkley. And, and, we, and uh, you and I have talked about this, especially me and our buddy, uh, you know, Kyle Posey, who've watched him since he was in high school. Like, he is... A, athletic freak on the field but he wasn't like a keely ringo type athletic freak who um was going to test out of this world and by the way his testing numbers were great that's why it's kind of ironic because it was just kind of ho-hum in that sense but yeah you know he he did really well he just he didn't test to the level of saquon barkley but Barkley was slightly better, and then so was Brees Hall last year, who went in the second round. What do you think of an athletic comparison and in, in like everything to Zeke? He's a little slightly more athletic in the mm-hmm. in you know in the explosive. We didn't get broad numbers from Zeke, and Zeke was only a thirty-two and a half inch vert, where where Bijan was thirty-seven. So he's a little more you know explosive but um, yeah you know he's also about 10 pounds lighter than what zeke came in at 
And they ran about the same 40 time. Uh, yeah, 4-4-6 four, four, versus 4-4-7. Four, four, yeah. 10-yard ten, ten split was 1-5-2 for Bijan versus 1-5-8 for Zeke. And I'll say Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, don't get me started on the 10-yard split. <laughs> it's the most volatile number in, in in all of these tests. And, you know, if you run a fast 40, you're going to have a, a fast <laughs> a fast split. And if you don't run a fast split, you're a guard. So, basically... um. But anyways, and you know the the big thing I have with the ten yard split too is a lot of times it lets people get the in these composite rankings they double count the speed. Oh, they give them points for the ten, give them points for the forty. You know, it's not right. often that a skill position player has a slow ten and a and a fast forty or vice versa. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that because I don't want to go off on a tangent. But uh, you you look at Zeke. He was another guy who was trained to run track. He was a hurdler, so that's why you have a little, I think, lesser of a, a vertical. Again, you you added that he weighed more, uh, so that also makes sense. Uh, but the one thing that they do that's similar, and this is something we've talked about with other of the top backs over the years, is that when, even when they're going through traffic, they just are able to contort themselves in such a way where they maintain control but they don't ever take that direct big yeah, they don't take hit. that big blow and so now you see zeke starting to take those hits as he slows down because of uh all the carries that he's had over the years but <clears throat> you look back to when he was a prospect and he just never was getting hit hard there's always like a glancing blow and those are the ones that you sometimes you keep your balance and go and take and still take the ball 70 yards for a touchdown Wide receivers, you know, this was probably the most disappointing group of the weekend, wouldn't you say? Yeah, let's come back to the disappointment when we get to the stock down. Yeah, so stock up, guys. Um, You know, I think it started with guys like a guy that we've talked about in Trey Palmer, right? Yeah. That, um, you know, and he came in, we didn't have a lot of questions about his athleticism. And so to see him, and he just ran the 40, but see him come in at six foot, 182, and then go four three three. Um, I think that. What do you have checked, his weight at? Uh, they have him at 192. Yeah, okay. You know, that kind of just checked all our boxes, right? Yeah, I wanted to see this guy run because I knew he was going to run fast, and, and he didn't disappoint me. Uh, until A-Chain ran, he had the fastest time of any offensive player. Uh, he's a young guy. He's only going to be 22 next month. Uh, the six foot 192 is right in the average range. We would call that jag size, like just a guy. But you can't be just a guy if you run a four three three. So um, he's got d- decently long arms and big hands too. Um, if you see him drop a ball on tape, I think it's probably just one of those fixable things. It's not. It's not because he doesn't know where, how to position his hands. It might be just a concentration thing, but you see him make some acrobatic plays too. And he does a lot of good. He, he knows how to run routes. You know, he it's not just running, uh, not to take anything away from Jalen Hyatt, who we're, we're fans of on the show, but um, you see more from, uh, from the route running standpoint out of Trey Palmer at Nebraska. And he broke the Nebraska single season record for catches in a season and yards in a season. There's no slouch production wise. It, it came late because he started at LSU and he transferred, um, but 
Yeah, he transferred and he took over, and he became one of the best receivers in the program's history in the Power Five still. Um, not a great team, but he made the most of it. He made the most of his day on Saturday too. A couple other guys we'll mention as uh, the wide receivers, again, not not what we were hoping for. Um, I think we have to mention Darius Davis. He ran a 4-3-6. Um, the TCU wide receiver, he's tiny, though, 5'8", 165, but he needed mm-hmm. that time at his size. He was size. the lightest receiver. Shocking, right? Actually, um, I think he was the lightest player, period, at this year's combine. And that's only because Bryce young put on weight um, <laughs> bryce ford wheaton the, the west virginia wide receiver this six, is my spotlight guy um six four 221 pounds he went four three eight on the 40 he had a 41 inch vertical 10 9 broad um and then a four one five short shuttle so like a big athletic freak target down the field yeah um this is a guy that uh, I think compares favorably to Christian Watson, who came out last year, who we weren't super high on. Um, but the difference, one of the differences here is nobody's saying Bryce Ford Wheaton is a second round pick. Um, the other thing is Christian Watson came on very strong at the end of his rookie year. Uh, we'll see if he's able to carry that over, or if he becomes like a Chase Claypool type of situation. But, uh, this is a player, Bryce Ford Wheaton. You're gonna watch him, and you're gonna see you're gonna see him drop some balls. It's gonna be be a little bit frustrating, a little bit frustrating the way he drops the balls too, because you see balls go right through his hands. Um, but he's a player. If you watch him, he's he looks like he can adjust very well to the ball in the air. He's really strong on the back shoulder throws. He can track it downfield. Uh, I don't. Don't think he always gains a separation that you'd like to see when you see a four three eight forty time, but um, I like what he does on the scramble drill and and adjusting to where his quarterback's going, where the ball's going, and he'll block for you. Uh, again, you're gonna have to deal with some hands issues, but I think he does a great job finding the ball. So uh, you see some variety in his route tree, good yard after the catch guy. And uh, for the, you know, for all the drops that you might see, you'll also see him catch a ball and take a hit and hang on to it. So it's, he's, he's going to be, I think, a frustrating player in some regards, but he's got a really high ceiling and I don't think he's going to cost that much in terms of draft. Um, when he's comparing metrically, he's comparing to day two guys, and and you might be able to get him later, like uh, fourth round. <coughs> Any other guys you want to? I mean, I feel like everybody else kind of did what they were supposed to do, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I think we got to mention Jackson Smith and Jigba, just for the fact that we didn't. He said he wasn't going to run, so I think you and I at that point expected that he wasn't going to test at all. And he did. He, in fact, did test, and he jumped 35 inches for the vert. We know he had hit 37 in high school at about the same size. So a couple inches shy of that number, but still in the average range for a receiver. Um, his his broad jump was 10 feet 5 inches, which is, I think, a little above average for a receiver. But the, the key takeaway is he had the fastest three-cone and the fastest short shuttle of any 
participant in this year's combine, 6.57, and I, I believe the 3.93 short shuttle was also the fastest time. Is that right? Uh, let me double check, I believe. I have so. to check the cornerbacks. There's, there might be a sneaky corner in there. But no, um, no, he had the fastest. Yeah, 3.93. Oh, he was the only sub four. Only sub four, and the only guy close to him in the uh, three cone was Julius Brents, the corner from KSU. By the way, so, you know who is – I mean, we're going to get to him in a second, but you know who is really close? On the uh, short shuttle. Who's that? Darnell Washington. Really? I mean, he was like a tenth of a second slower, but like he was third overall. Jeez. He's just a 6'7", 264-pound uh, tight end. So, yeah. yeah, let's get into tight ends. Yeah, tight ends. I think the two big names, I mean, we started with it, Darnell Washington. Um, you know, he just kind of, again – Casually went out and displayed that he's a freak of nature. Six seven two sixty four four six four forty isn't. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's moving, especially at that size. But like, it's not like unheard of at, for tight ends at this um, stage. I was a little surprised at the thirty one inch vert. I thought I'd see a little more, um, but and you know the broad jump and uh, and then like I said that that short shuttle were really good he he had a what 10 4 broad um 10 2 broad mm-hmm. and then and then he ran that 408 short shuttle you know who he uh, tested like who oj howard oh yeah there you oj go. howard was uh 66 2, 251 he ran a 451 even faster but he only had a 30 inch vertical he had a 10 1 broad and then he had a 416 uh shuttle so there's the a guy, lot of similarities there. A guy we've talked about on this podcast, and I, I've written about, you you know, um, Zach Koontz of Old Dominion, who I believe was a Penn State tight end at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, early on, yep, and he transferred and, to ODU. And he kind of was the guy that blew up the combine for – tight ends uh six seven two fifty five four five five forty forty inch vert ten eight broad with a six eight seven three cone and a four one two shuttle like, <laughs> that's insane that's insane what do so we he, think what do we think about moving him to a uh, defensive end <laughs> well that's what i said a couple weeks ago on on patreon like why don't these guys that play tight end why don't they you know talk their coach's ear off and get him to let him play defensive end. Maybe they just don't like all the contact, but or they just like scoring touchdowns every once in a while. Right. Um, Kuntz is big target, red zone threat, um, prospect-wise. I think he only scored seven touchdowns in his college career, but uh, five of them came in 2021, and then he was hurt this year. Uh, so that's another thing. This guy was uh, hurt most of 2022, and he still did this, which is phenomenal. Um, he broke the long-standing record of fastest 40 by a guy 6'7 or taller. That record had stood for an entire year since Jelani Woods had done it, and, and Koontz beat him, I think, by seven hundredths of a second. So uh, Jelani Woods, short-lived stint in the record book. Uh, notwithstanding, that's kind of probably the type of player that scouts and teams are looking at that Koontz could be because Woods had a very good rookie year 
and scored a hand. I think he scored three touchdowns for the Colts. But and he went in the third round, didn't he? Yeah, did he, he did. And he was an older prospect, too. Koontz is going to be 24. I think Woods was 24, 25 as a rookie. And, um, but yeah, he went earlier, I think, than people thought because of his great workout. And he also had a very good um, All Star game season, which I don't think we saw Koontz in the All Star games. I could be mistaken about that. But, um, yeah, you've got a guy in Coons. He didn't produce much this year because of the injury. A couple of years ago, he was he caught something like 70 balls, I think. Um, so he's a reliable target, and I think people are going to look at what Jelani Woods did, especially the second half of his rookie year, and, and project that Coons could do the same. So he's a player, I think, started the weekend as a, as a like late day three pick prospect. And maybe ended the day or ended the weekend maybe as an early day three prospect. At least, I mean, not that that's how you should do your grading, but I think he probably made himself some money. The tight ends, I mean, nobody else in terms of like super surprise, but I did want to mention one guy that I thought boosted himself up. And he's going to go on day two. They always do, right? But uh, Sam Laporta, the t- the yeah. Iowa tight end. I love Sam Laporta. Yeah, the the only thing, he's a little smaller than these yeah. other guys. 6'3", 245. Yeah. He, came in, he, he ran a 4.59, had a 35-inch vert, 10.3 broad, 6.91 cone, 3 cone, and a 4.25 short shuttle. Yeah, he's really athletic. Um, You don't want to... You don't want a helmet scout, and like I said, we'll run some numbers and try and get more precise. But you know, just size wise and school wise, you think of Dallas Clark, right? Right. And then Luke Musgrave injuries are what concerned me the most about this guy, but he came in bigger than I expected six six two fifty three, and he ran a four six one with a 36-inch vert and a 10-5 broad. So an explosive guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're comparing him to Dallas Godert. I I mean, was Dallas that big? I don't remember. Yeah, he's pretty big. So, I mean, if you get him in the same range, that was what, round two, three? Yeah, 6'5", 256. So, yeah, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think we're going to have four tight ends going the first round like Mel Kuyper mocked a couple weeks ago, but these guys did pretty well. Most of them uh, performed the way uh, that they were expected to, most of the top names. You want to talk a couple O-linemen? Yeah, let's get to the O-line real quick. Um, I think this is a really good O-line class, by the way, or at least uh, at the top with the offensive tackles. This. It's looking like we've got some players in this in this draft. You know, and it starts with, with uh, BYU's Blake Freeland, who kind of, he's he was the talk of the town. A little lean, right, at 6'8", 302. Mm-hmm. He looked um, thin. But he ran a 4'9", 40, had a 37-inch <laughs> vertical. Which broke guess, the record set by, uh, the longstanding record set by Tristan Wirfs a few years ago. But Wirfs was like 325, wasn't he, or 335? I don't recall that but he, he was, was that. But he but, jumped 36 and a half. 
Yeah, and then uh, he a uh, ten inch broad. I mean, he had a good. I just, I mean, three hundred two. Man, he's got a. He's gonna have to put on some weight. Yes, I have a couple notes on him. You know, he he took some criticism at the Senior Bowl, but I honestly thought he had some pretty good reps on the in the one on ones. From what I saw, the arm length for Freeland it doesn't match. It's, he doesn't have short arms, but he has average arms, and it doesn't match the height. You know, so he's got six eight, but he's thirty three and a half inch arms and change, uh, or thirty three ish arms and change. So it's kind of uh, unusual for a guy that tall to have arms that long, or or arms that short, I should say. So he's got to get his arms in good position. He's got to he because he's so tall, he's got to be careful not to get leverage. So he's got to make sure he's blocking with some good knee bend, staying low enough to not. Uh, to avoid leaning in too much to his blocks or um, lunging if if guys are trying to make, you know, especially if guys are trying to beat him inside. His his agility drills were in the average range. But again, for a guy that tall, they're pretty good. Um, you don't really have concerns about that. So um, I saw him get beat with the inside move here and there, but it's not something that I think is a fatal thing for him. And because he's so tall, you add the height with the with the arm length, and you know I think he's going to be able to keep guys at bay. He he, I don't think he's ever going to be a dominant pass blocker, but I think he's going to be an effective one. And uh, it just needs he might need a little bit more time than some others. I've seen him projected as a fourth round pick. I don't think there's any way that he makes it out of the second round. Uh, Broderick Jones, six five three eleven four nine seven. Man, he looked like an athlete, didn't he? Yeah. But were you surprised? I mean, again, these verticals with these guys' size, like you said, uh, Freeland's was a record-setting one. But were you surprised that he only had a 30-inch vert? No. I, no, that doesn't surprise me because that's still really good. <laughs> that's, it that's is. A, that's a really good – anything 30 and up for guys this big – is is fantastic. So um So then let me ask you about Anton Harrison who went six four, three fifteen, uh-huh. had a four nine eight forty, but had a twenty eight and a half inch vert. And for O line that's still really good. That's still for, good, okay. Yeah, that's still above average. Um at least you know, I'm gonna at some point have to recalibrate these averages because guys are getting more athletic every year. But um from what we saw, you know, in the past five to seven years, that's still in the above average range. But what's happening now, as I track these things over the years, more and more guys are testing above average. So I'm going to have to recalibrate at some point what the averages are. But the point is, this is nowhere near, uh, and uh, no alarm bells here. This is still, these are still very good jumps for guys these size. Uh, last one. I mean, we could talk about these guys all day because you had guys like, Darnell Wright, you know. Um, oh, he he had a great workout. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, he ran a 5.01 Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah, 29-inch vert for him and a 9-foot-6 uh, broad jump. And then, uh, but Peter Skoronsky, he kind of checked every box we were expecting. And then his arm length at 32 and a fourth wasn't, exactly shocking it was kind of what we expected right no and i i've been saying all year i think he's a guard and uh and he tested almost like an elite guard 
And he's, yeah, because if you look at the, he only ran a three cone as, as far as the shuttles go. But for O-line, that 7-8, it's not terrible, but it's not great for an offensive tackle. Um, we don't know a short shuttle on him, but we could guess that it's, that if his um, three cone's more like a guard, his shuttle might be more like a guard too. Otherwise, he was great. 34 and a half inch vertical, really good. Uh, five one six forty is is a very good time for an offensive lineman. I think we get so spoiled with some of these guys running sub five that we we might think a five one six is slow. It's actually not at all. It's really it's no. a good time for an offensive lineman. Uh, six four three thirteen. He's a good sized guy. It's just that if you move him to tackle, he's not tall for a tackle. Six four is kind of average for a tackle. Six four is kind of a little on the taller side for a guard. And then um, the arm length. 32, that's short for a tackle, but it's okay. It's in the average range for guard. So, yeah, he tested and put him there where he's going to have his best chance for success. Yeah, he tested and measured like Zach Martin coming out of Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. and he just ended up being an all pro. So, that's what I like to do with these O linemen. I like to run the comps for all O line positions and see who, you know, how they kind of stack up to other prospects of the past. And a lot of times you'll see guys like that, like um, Skronsky. And Martin, of course, was a tackle that moved inside as a pro. I still can't get over Darnell Wright, man. That's a, what a freak, dude. Six I got a three thirty-three. Yeah, twenty-nine inch version. He's going in the nine, first round. Nine six broad. I mean, he's a right tackle only, but like you're talking about with and, those and numbers, he, he he might be able to. He might. Yeah, he I mean, never, he didn't do shuttles, so yeah, he's just never done it. Yeah. Um, let's go to the defensive side real quick. I got to mention. Yeah. John Gates, the second from UCLA, and uh, he had the fastest shuttle time of any offensive lineman. And the reason that's significant, we we talked about it, I think, on Patreon last week, but or or maybe it was the the uh, iTunes show. But Josh Norris had a tweet that uh, talked about how offensive linemen who break a four four seven in the short shuttle have a very good track record as pros. Uh, they start. They end up becoming starters uh, for a long time as pros. In the majority of cases, at least over the years, he's been tracking it. Gaines is the only guy who hit that this year. A lot of guys were in the four fives, which is great, and they're still probably going to be really good starters. But Gaines was four four five, and at six four three oh three, he's not a big guy. I've got him penciled in as a guard, but he played guard, tackle, center. He played everywhere for uh, UCLA. I actually think he's probably best suited to play guard because I think that's where I saw his best pass pro reps. I'm sorry, at center. When he started uh, the 2020-2021 season as the team starting center, I'd like to see him move there, but he's going to be a good center, a good guard, and you're probably going to get him later on, maybe fourth round. And uh, that's he's going to present great value. He's one of the most athletic guys in the draft as far Speak- as offensive line. Was this the most athletic guy in the draft? Uh, Tomiwa Adeborari. You can try it now. <laughs> well, we're, uh, yeah, I mean, this guy is so athletic that um, we don't know where he's going to play. He's going to play interior defensive line, where I think he's probably had his most success as a collegian, or is he. We saw that the Ravens even worked him out at linebacker, which I mentioned on Twitter 
that uh, they had a, a guy, one of the guys that came up in the comps for this guy was Adelius Thomas, former Raven pick, who, of course, starred later for um, also for the Patriots, and a guy who played just lined up everywhere, all over the field. And so that's the thing with this guy. We don't, nobody knows where to put him right now. Some people are putting him at edge. Some people are putting him at, athletically, he looks like an, an a great edge except for his height. Um, defensive tackle, he's small, but one of the most athletic defensive tackles in history. And then linebacker, he's kind of big, but he can run like one. So what do you do with him? Yeah, so he would be the third overall pick if Steve Kahn was still there, right? <laughs> yeah, he looks. So I I looked up the pronunciation. Yeah, it's it's uh, Aditomiwa Adabare. Yeah, so there we go. We got that cleaned up. And so yeah, so he went six. And it goes by Tommy, I think. Yeah, we're gonna call him Tommy. We're friends. So yeah. he he came in at six two two eighty two four four nine forty. 439. <laughs> Say that yeah. again at 282. Yeah, 37 and a half vert and 10 and a half broad. And he did the bench and did put up 27 reps. So he's got good strength as well. Yeah, he's just a really unique prospect. He's really caught fire because of his performance on the All Star circuit. He had uh, people were really impressed with him as a senior bowl. Um, I looked, uh, I got a chance to see him in a lot of big big 10 games he's got just like a really really high motor and he's his hands and his he's just really active strong hands he's a tough run defense matchup because nobody can really if he's against a guard he's way quicker than a guard if they put him outside on a tight end a tight end can't block him um it's just he's such a unique player um i think he doesn't i i don't know i i have him listed as a defensive end I hesitate there because I don't I haven't seen a lot of great pass rush out of him, but he's definitely got the athleticism. But we've also seen tweeners like this where we try and project him uh, to edge and it doesn't really work out. But um, at least we know he's athletic enough that he'll stick around the lead for a while. Other. Uh, other defensive tackles that impressed uh, Kalijah Cansey. Came in at six one two eighty one, ran a four six seven, and then kind of dropped. Georgia Costanza did right. Yeah, it well, you know, you you come in with that weight, you run a four six seven. You're at that point height, weight, speed wise. You look on, and you went to pit. So at that point, you're Aaron Donald, and you just go home. <laughs> Drop the mic, right? Yeah. Um, and then we had um, who was the. Oh, uh, was it the Florida kid, right? Gervin Dexter? Yeah. That came in at 6'6", 310, 488, 40. But he had a nice 31-inch vert, um, 9'2 broad, and a 7'5", 3-cone. Those are big jumps for a guy that big. Yeah, those, I mean, 310. We were just kind of talking about the offensive lineman. Remember, this is the guy countering that, and... He, I mean, six six three ten, but here's the thing: he's got baby arms. Dexter, I mean, yeah, for a guy but, that tall, yeah, thirty two for a defensive and a quarter, tackle is fine. 
Yeah, 32 and a quarter inch arms, though. Like we just talked about Skaronsky. That's what Skaronsky came in at. And, mm-hmm. you know, we and that's why these guys play inside, especially right. Dexter. If you had 34 inch arms, somebody might try him at end with those with those numbers that he posted. But yeah, because he's, he's a short arm guy, but he's a big guy. So, so I think some people were comparing him to Rashid Hagman, which doesn't sound like a friendly comp- comparison, but uh, it's a former first-round pick. I think uh, one of the guys he compares to favorably from an athletic standpoint is, is Leonard Williams. Uh, he never had that kind of production in college, though. Jalen Redman, Dante Stills both had really good combines as well. I just want to throw their names out there yeah. because so you know, we're kind undersized, of- overaged uh players but with a lot of athletic upside and actually redmond testing wise he kind of compares to geno atkins and yeah if you think about that uh geno was a phenomenal pro uh but also was a fourth round pick back then guys this small went in the fourth round nowadays you might see these guys go a little earlier um, we'll get to the, the, the freak of freaks in a little bit, but Byron Young, the, at the Tennessee edge, mm-hmm. 6'2", 250, 4'4", 40, 38-inch vert, 11-foot broad, uh, 7'1", 9'3", cone. He, he seemed to make himself a little money this weekend. Yeah, he's, he's an older prospect. I think that has people... You know, wondering about his upside because he's uh, he turns twenty five next week, I think. Um, he was the height and the arm length too. He's kind of on the short side, six two, thirty two and a half inch arms. Does could be considered in the average range for a defensive end, but um, you might see some teams want to try him at linebacker off the ball, see what he can do. Um, I'm sure that they probably did that during workouts, but I was probably working and didn't didn't get to watch that part of the broadcast. But um, four four three, I mean, flying, and he looked really really athletic out there. Isaiah Foskey is a name we've talked about from Notre Dame, uh, a, a bigger guy in this edge class six five two sixty four four five eight forty thirty four inch vert ten and a half inch broad seven two eight three cone four four one short shuttle. One of the few guys that did everything, right? Yeah. He's he's like right on the edge of maybe he's a little stiff, but like six five, two sixty four, you're it's kind of a throwback type defensive end at say, this point. He, I was gonna say he's a true like defensive end. And he had great production guy. out of him the last couple of years. I think double digit sacks each of the last couple of years. Um just kind of a late bloomer there because he's He's, uh, I think he still had eligibility left, but he will turn 23 this fall. Um, everywhere I've seen has had him as a day two projection. Why do you think that he's uh, being projected more to day two and not to maybe late first round? You know, that's a fair question. I, I think it's just we haven't seen a ton of production out of Notre Dame defensive ends. Yeah, it could um, be. He's getting so, the, the helmet. And, and like you said, he his testing was good because he's like you said a throwback guy uh but he's not a, a certified freak like some of these guys right yeah um lucas van ness six five two seventy two ran a four five eight and then i you know the vert and the broad were what you know 31 inch vert 
910 broad's pretty good, but that 702 three cone and that 432 short shuttle is kind of what stands out to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was one of the guys that have already had a chance to, to run some numbers on. So let me give you this comp. When you look at the full scope of the workout, height, weight, all these athletic testing numbers that were thrown out there, even the vertical 31 seems below average for an, for an edge guy. Uh, but the cone, the cone and the shuttle, those are pretty good. Those are a little above average. Um, the comp that came out that I thought was closest was Ziggy Ansa. And I think there's some other similarities too there because um, we, you know, Ziggy Ansa hadn't reached his peak potential at BYU before he came out in the draft. Um, ben Ness, he comes out with, you know, 6'5", 272, 34-inch arms, 11-inch hands. This guy has a, a lot of untapped potential. He didn't even start at Iowa, and he was still one of their their best uh, pass rushers. But what you see, he's constantly trying to just win with strength and just bull bull rushing. And so he's going to have to get some more finesse to his game, but he's got the athleticism to do it. Um, get this guy a good line coach and a, a, you know maybe on a team with a, another veteran that, that can teach him some approaches to rushing the passer. And uh, this this kid might end up being one of the better players in this class. He's got to get a little stronger, though, I think, and, and learn some new ways to win. The freak of freaks this week, <laughs> Nolan Smith. This is not a surprise. We've talked about this. We knew this was coming. Um, but even still, he was, I mean, he was freaky. Just like high school. I mean, he, he had all these same numbers. I think he, he ran a faster 40 now. Yeah. But uh, he, and so uh, apparently he had, he was sick when he, and lost, they said, what, seven pounds? Was he the one that was sick? I thought it was him. I could be uh, wrong. I think it was, I think it was someone else, but I could be wrong. Because um, he came in at 238, and I thought they said they were expecting him at 245. I have to check on that. I thought that was someone else, but. You know he's he's because he didn't he sure didn't seem sick when he was working out. I mean he was he was mad that he ran a four four one and he didn't get happy until they adjusted the time. Yeah, uh, four three nine forty one and a half inch vert ten eight broad. Just I mean one of the freakiest prospects we've seen in a long time, right? It was Will McDonald, by the way. That was sick. Oh, was it Will? Okay. Yeah, uh, he came in. That's what he came in a little under two forty. And did the jumps. I don't think he he ran or worked out because of the illness. Uh, he had a hundred and four degree fever the night before, and I was like, "Why did they let him work out? That sounds kind of contagious." Let me ask you this, because these are, I mean, these are numbers we don't discuss a ton. <coughs> but when a guy blows away the rest of his positional group, and I know they they don't all test this anymore. Um. But Jose Ramirez did not impress. He came in short, light, and then ran a four seven three, which isn't you know great, obviously. Um, however, his short area explosiveness is kind of what his game is, anyways. And he had a six nine five three cone. The next closest defensive end was Van Ness, who we talked about what a freak he was at mm. 702. 
Then the next closest after that was 7.11. So almost two-tenths of a second slower. Mm-hmm. And then his short shuttle was 4.3. Um, Which was and, the best among defensive ends yeah, that ran it. Right. And so he's a day three guy if he gets drafted. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about a guy that came in 6'2", 242, ran a 4.73, had mid-range jumps. But... He, I think this will be a good test case, obviously, of what those agility things mean for guys coming off the edge and if they're able to win that way. I, yeah, if you I, if you have them at edge, the jumps are actually decent, you know, a, a little above average. Um, if you move them to linebacker, then the testing yeah falls suffers. Kind of off. Yeah, the testing suffers a little bit, um, but. That's kind of the thing with Nolan Smith too. Like, where do you? He, it's kind of where do you play him? They keep listening to him at edge, but if you put him at edge, he's underweight and short armed, with a thirty-two and five eighths inch arms. Uh, the testing's fantastic, no matter what. But the pro- productivity, he never produced as a great pass rusher. So if you put him at edge, I mean, are you are you saying that he's going to be? You know, some team's going to untap him and he's going to be Micah Parsons 2.0? Or is he going to continue to kind of fall short of the expectations as he did? Um, you know, a great team leader, a guy they really liked, a guy who did a little bit of everything but just was never a sack master by any means, uh, the, kind of, the kind of production that you thought you were going to get with him as the number one overall prospect. Um, so back to, to Ramirez, I think the reason I mention these guys in the same breath is because you have kind of a similar dilemma here. He's kind of a tweener with, uh, you know, the, the arm length and the height are very average and weights below average for a defensive and for a pass rusher. And, um, but he's, he was really ultra productive. I think he was the Mac defensive player of the year and the way he wins, you, that shows up in the testing. So, I think you nailed it. I think he's a day three guy, but a player that I think somebody's going to be happy to get on day three. Linebackers, we had, you know, some really interesting testing numbers. The first one we got a shout out, and you mentioned it beforehand, Owen Papoa, uh, the Auburn, six foot 225, but he ran a 439, and then he backed it up with 35 and a half inch vert, 10 6 broad. Um, so there you see Nolan Smith, if you put him at linebacker, he's two inches taller, 13 pounds heavier, and and, uh, an inch longer arm, and he does the athletic testing even better. Right. Uh, <laughs> so you have, you know, Papoa, Trent Simpson, we've talked about these Clemson linebackers. They test better than their wide receivers. It's it's a joke, but it's not. 6'2", 235, 44340. He put up 25 reps on the bench as well. He gets a he gets a comp to a former Buckeye, Darren Lee. Oh, nice. Um, D. Winters, we talked about him. We were interested in see what he tests because TCU linebackers have been a bit slow lately. 5'11", 227. He ran a four four nine, but his explosiveness was a little disappointing. Thirty and a half inch vert, nine nine broad. Was he a former receiver or a defensive back? feel like he put i think he was a former db or i mean i know he came in out of high school at about 30 pounds 
lighter than what he came in here. Um, definitely those jumps are below average. Um, you kind of think of when you, it's it's not the same by any means, but you kind of think of when you layer offense and against defense, uh, the linebackers kind of matching up with the running backs. So my guess is if you look at Winter's time, he's training to sprint. He's training as a sprinter, and that's why you get these lower jumps and the higher, um, the I mean, the lower 40 time, but also the lower jumps. Um, 5'11", 227, he's kind of squatty. And that so he's probably got thick lower body that's probably not easy to hoist into the air on these verticals. Uh, the linebacker that really stole the show, though, was I was Jack Campbell, which we kind of expected, right? We thought he would be a good tester. And I think what also stands out about Campbell is how big he is compared yeah, six, to the rest of this class. We're going to round up on this one. We usually don't. But 6'5", 250, because he came in at 249. So uh-huh. I'm going I'm to allow it. Uh, four six five forty, which people might go, well, that's like two-tenths of a second slower, right? Uh, but he had a 37.5-inch vert, a 10-inch mm-hmm. broad, and then six seven four three cone in a four two four short shuttle. Yeah. So this dude is like built to be an inside linebacker i mean 100 percent built to be an inside linebacker you could you could try him at edge except he's got really short arms yeah 31 yeah so that's probably what's <laughs> keeping him from being an edge because he's got uh, under 32 inch arms not, he's got baby arms that's yeah but you look at what what campbell did on tape um he you know, I was just like a very structured defense, but you still see him making plays in coverage and getting into the backfield. I think he's an opportunistic playmaker. He didn't have big numbers. He had a lot of tackles, but they're not the pile jumping kind of tackles. He's making uh, legitimate tackles, but you don't have a ton of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Or, but you do have a good number of plays relative to his position in coverage as far as pass breakups and interceptions really throughout his career. And it seems to me, whenever I watch the game, he's got a nose for the ball. So um, this is another guy. He was a starting linebacker at Iowa, and he was playing special teams, covering punts. And he was, a lot of times, the first guy down there. So it, I think Campbell's going to go early, late day, th- late day two, early day three. And, at, you know, you might have him on the shelf for a year. Not not really playing defense, kind of like Nicobe Dean in uh, Philly this year, but he's going to be a starter eventually, and he's going to be a core special teamer right off the bat. The cornerbacks were super freaky. Uh, we had <laughs> we had uh, I we could do a whole eight? show on cornerbacks. Right. Seven. We had seven go sub four four. Um, and we had somebody beat the four two seven five uh barrier, DJ Turner of Michigan. And again, you know, it's really interesting because these guys come in and he was a little lighter than I expected. Five eleven, one seventy eight, four two six forty, but then thirty eight and a half introvert and, and ten eleven broad. And he was kinda like, All right, he, I've had a good day and I'm out of here. Yeah, he was a Feldman's freak list guy, so we were kind of we're not, we this. weren't surprised, but that I mean four two six is so fast. They, they said he was going to run four two eight, so he actually beat that. Yeah, um, one of the Deontay, few. 
Deontay Banks, man, Maryland. The Maryland corners both. We should shout out Jacory and Bennett, but Banks, ooh, four three five forty. 42 inch vert 11 4 broad i mean 11 4 yeah we're almost getting in byron jones territory i think he jumped like 12 4 yeah (laughs) um but the guy that kind of stole the show and the biggest thing you got to do is you know get him with a fat middle-aged white guy to help him put on weight is Emmanuel. (laughs) Emmanuel Forbes, man, come to Arizona, Emmanuel. I will get you some gains quickly, <laughs> man. But, so I saw I saw people say Emmanuel Forbes was on the on the uh, stock down list, and I was like, what are you talking about? Um, it's only it, like people are only saying that because he weighed one sixty six. But we mentioned this, I think, a few weeks ago that Lance Erline had said he he weighed he played in the one sixties. So, not a huge shock, right? Right. And he came out 6'1", 166. He's very lean. I mean, that's not a shock. He's real thin. 4'3", 5'40", 37.5 inch vert, 10'11 broad. This is the most productive corner in this class from an on-ball production standpoint. And then he went sub 4'4". Four three five, and people were saying he was going to be like a mid four five guy. Now, if he comes in at one hundred sixty six pounds and runs um, mid four five, then you you got a bigger problem. Um, the idea that he just got really thin to run a fast time, I don't. I'm not buying that um, really either, because look how explosive he was. And we the thing was we had his high school numbers. He he jumped. He had explosive jumps back then too, um, at even a skinnier weight. So Forbes said that I believe he said he played this season at about 173 pounds, and they came in for some reason several pounds lighter than that. But um, you mentioned his on-ball production, Seth. He had 14 career interceptions. I don't think there's anybody in the class that's close to that. And he had six career pick sixes, including three this year, um, including one of, of Will Levis. Uh, I think he might have had one of – I think he also had one of Anthony Richardson, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I could be misremembering that. But he, this kid, he's a ball hawk. He's probably the best premier ball hawk in this class. I don't care what he weighs. Uh, one of the easiest things to do as you get older is gain weight. I think most people could attest to that. Um, but I, he, the fact that he came in probably one and a half or 0.15 to two tenths of a second faster than what was people were projecting for him, that's a big win in my book. And uh, the fact that he's that fast, that rangy, six, almost 6'1", six, 32 and a quarter inch arms, you're gonna have a hard time getting the ball past him, and uh, I mentioned it before. But you had his teammate, his former teammate Martin Emerson, had an extremely good rookie year for the Browns this past year. So these guys are coached up on their technique and and their ball skills, and I just like Forbes a lot. Um, I guess real quick, we should also mention Ringo. Um, he did run that four three six. He came in at two oh seven six two two oh seven. Jumps weren't great, but uh, I think he had a fair day. Um, Joey Porter Jr., six 
two and a half with 34 inch arms, ran a four, four, six. And then, uh, Christian Gonzalez, I think solidified himself as probably the first corner off the board because he's six, one, almost 200 pounds, four, three, eight, jumped out of the gym, 41 and a half inches and another 10 foot. Uh, what did, no, what did he had 11 foot, uh, one inch broad jump. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. These guys are freaks. Uh, you, we could we could talk about cornerbacks all night. Let's jump real quick. Let's, unless you have we, one. We, yeah, we just got to mention uh, Julius Brents, oh, Kansas yeah. State corner, six three. I'm gonna round up again. Two hundred pounds, one ninety eight, uh, thirty four inch arms. You know the forty wasn't anything to write home about, but then he went and had a forty one and a half inch vert, eleven six broad, eleven uh, six, Jesus, yeah, a six six three three cone and a twenty yard or a four oh five twenty yard short shuttle. Yeah, um, he's a zone guy with that forty speed, but like everything else points to an elite athlete. Uh, you know, you're just not going to ask him to cover deep one on one, right? Yeah, and you don't want him covering uh, those little. Well, I mean, he's probably quick enough to cover slot guys, actually. But yeah, um, and honestly, he's a long strider too. So I think that four five three is actually pretty fast for him. Um, if uh, he's got the length to to make up for a, a step or two as well, um, and people see what uh, Tariq Woolen did as a rookie. Oh, granted, he's. Like two tenths of a second fat, three tenths of a second faster. I didn't say he went like four, four two six. I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he had a great rookie year, and people are gonna see that in um in him. So safety, we mentioned Chase Brown, his brother Sidney Brown. They're twins in like every way. They tested it almost exactly the same too. Like these guys have forty inch verticals. I think Sidney Brown. Uh, no, they're they're about the same size. He, Sydney Brown, 5'10", 211. I think Chase was maybe a little tiny bit shorter. Um, Sydney Brown ran a 4'4", 7, 40 and a half inch vertical, 10 foot 10 broad jump. And he had six interceptions this year as well. So this is a player I think some people will say, is there safety that's going to go in the first round? I don't think so. Maybe Branch, depending on what you what position you think he's in. Yeah, maybe Branch. Um, but it, I, I'm not real sure. And then the other guy, Illinois' Jartavius Martin. Whoo. Uh, 5'11", 194, 446, 40, 44-inch vertical. I think that was the, mo- the highest of anybody. Yeah, and an 11-1 broad. We had a 44 and a 43-inch vertical in this. So shout out Jason Taylor, the second. Um, Oklahoma State. Another Oklahoma. guy with six interceptions this year. Yeah, six feet, 204. 43 inch vert 10 9 broad like yeah man these guys are freaks i don't think it's a weak safety class i think it's a really good safety class when you get into the second through fourth second through fifth rounds anything else before we get out of here well let's talk real quick daniel scott uh that was a guy from cal six feet 208 He's an older guy. He'll be 25 in the fall. 4-4-5-40. He had uh, close to a 40-inch vert and a 10-foot-8 broad. And he had the best three-cone of any... I believe he had the best three-cone of anybody other than Julius Brents and Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was 
six seven five in a three cone. Uh, he's an older prospect. He's probably going to go late rounds, but he had three picks each of the last two years. You, you know who beat him in the three cone? Who? He was fourth. Oh, he was fourth. Jack Campbell. Oh, Campbell. By one one-hundredth of a second, right? Yeah, but that's crazy that a guy that's 50 pounds heavier than <laughs> everybody else is going six, seven. Like, that guy's going to be so good in the NFL. You want to do uh, – we got four guys stocked down. You want to run through those real quick? Yeah, let's run through those. First off, uh, props to Seth for calling the Bryce Young weight. Um, <laughs> he had just enough peanut butter and fluff sandwiches to get to 204 pounds. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind, man. This guy, he weighed in, and then he he threw. No, he didn't throw. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. And he weighed in and then he flew out of there uh-huh. while these other guys weighed in, worked out, and threw the ball. Yeah. And they threw and they did well. You know, so I I, I only say Bryce Young stocked down because you had uh Stroud, Richardson, and Levis all stock up. And there's a chance, you know, it, it might maybe Bryce Young goes number one, maybe he goes number two, or maybe he goes fourth. I don't, know. I don't think that's too crazy to think at this point. He's going to have so, a pro day, though, and then it'll be all Bryce Young all the time. So, stock down temporarily. Somebody got some bad advice to leave LSU, didn't they? Or they just, you know, it, it's we, we know Keishon Butte considered staying, and he was even going to play in the Citrus Bowl, and then right before the Citrus Bowl, he decided to dip and declare for the draft. And it's not working out so far. And um, this is not to be overly critical. He's a player who as a freshman and sophomore looked like he was going to be the next big thing out of LSU. But the, when it comes to the athleticism, it seems like the injuries have sapped some of that. And one one thing that, to be fair, he ran a 4-5, which was not terrible. And... Um, you know, put it in perspective, Jordan Addison, who a lot of people are saying is a first-round pick, you know, he was um, my wide receiver one in my early uh, in-season rankings. He ran a four-four-nine, So it's not like Butte is way slower than a lot of these guys. Um, you know, it's a, there's a lot of guys that ran over four-five, But the thing is, the jump um, and... He just doesn't have the explosiveness, right? Right, Seth? Like, I think he jumped like 29 and a half inches, right? 29 inches. He he was one. Both LSU receivers were the only two that didn't clear 30. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, he had 29, and it was Jeray Jenkins at yeah. 29 and a half. And it's crazy because my son that's 17 just tested, and he had a 33-inch vertical, and he's... Five eight and one hundred eighty five pound like linebacker. Can he catch? Because <laughs> yeah. Butte was five eleven one ninety five. I so. know. So that's so it's just odd that a guy that's supposed to be preparing and getting ready came out. It just seemed like almost like he was unpre- underprepared, didn't it? Or he just, or the injuries have just taken a toll. You know, he had a bad ankle injury, required surgery. Um, but, but I mean, he, dude, he's getting out jumped by linemen. He actually, yeah. And he, you know, he, 
looked at times disengaged this year. It looked like a really hard year for him. And I don't know him, you know, I don't know anything about him personally, so I don't want to speculate, but he just looked like he had a rough year, a frustrating year. He, he was wearing his frustration on his sleeve. I'm not sure what he was frustrated with exactly. Could be a number of things, but it seemed like he had a hard time. Um, toward the end of the year, we saw some big, bigger games out of him, but he didn't look like the same guy at all throughout the year. Um, I got a comp that might work for him as things stand right now, and maybe he's going to shine and a little brighter at, at LSU's Pro Day. But right now, like best comp I could get for him was like Alan Hearns. And he went undrafted, but ended up having a, some good years, but not a player. It's a long, far cry from a player who many were projecting as a first-round pick. Andre Carter on the other side of the ball, six, six and a half, 256 pounds. Bad jumps, okay shuttle, um, but 11 reps on the bench as well. This is after a down year, right? Yeah. In, in production as well. I think we were always a little skeptical of putting a, a guy from a service academy in the first round, like we saw in some of the early mocks. Um, but it just seems evident that he hasn't had the type of weight training that these other prospects have had. Um, you know, he's preparing, for, he, he's been preparing for a different, different types of training that they do in the military. And so he probably hasn't had a lot of focus on, on a lot of these drills. Uh, I didn't have an opportunity to see him in the field drills, but he's a player. I think he's going to need some time to get, uh, you know, to get his strength up and get in, get into like football shape. Finally, uh, Clark Phillips, a guy that we've liked on the show. We've been wondering, you know, what the consensus on him would be as it kind of came down. And, you know, he came in small, 5'9", 184. He ran a 4.51, which isn't good. Uh, and then he had a 33-inch vertical. The athletic testing just wasn't there. And for a guy that's small that's been playing on the outside, I think that's where it raises some concerns. Because Phillips has great ball skills. Um, he's built like a fire plug, though. He's, he's short, compact. He's got short arms. It's a tough ask for him to stay outside and defend with that build. Um, and, and is he going to have the quickness and the change of direction that he needs to play in the nickel? Uh, he's a tough guy. Really love his ball skills. But I feel like he might have problems matching up early on. And he's a player that I think has... He looks like he's a player who studies other his opponent's tendencies and things like that. I think that's why he's so adept at getting his, his hands on the ball, but might take, there might be some growing pains until he gets acclimated and, and learns the tendencies of some of his opponents. Anything else before we get out of here? It's been a, did, a good long show. I know we've had a long one, but did you have a hot take from our buddy? Yeah. Our buddy, uh, Billy M 91 on Twitter. Uh, you know, Jalen Carter's been in the news. And we mentioned it at the top of the show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, probably going to fall out of the top 10. Ethan Hammerman responded, we're moving closer to New England Patriot Jalen Carter, to which Billy responded, wouldn't be the first time 
They drafted an overrated three tech from the SEC talking about Dominique easily. Hey, <laughs> so, <laughs> I love uh, I love a good uh, I love a, a good zinger one liner. So shout shout out to Billy. That was uh, that was definitely awesome and a, a good one. So I don't uh, think we have much to add to that too. So we'll just uh, like like Costanza go out on the high note. Yeah, we'll be back later this week with another bonus episode to talk about some player comps because we know how much everybody loves the player comps. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of... What I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A a read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.